Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. But then the next time I went shopping, I mean, I had this like whole moment in the chocolate aisle where I was like, do I get some milk chocolate for Jack in my freezer? Do I get a bar? Do I put it in there? And I was like, I know if I do every time I open the freezer, which is multiple times a day, because that's where my dark chocolate is, I'm going to see this thing and it's going to elicit a response. Well, we all know about the dark passenger, but today we're going to talk about dark chocolate with our special guest, Miss Julia Jones, Chief Bishop herself on Dexter New Blood. She is so wonderful. She's from Twilight, Longmire, Westworld, Goliath, Rutherford Falls, Mandalorian, and now, of course, this wonderful show. And we're going to talk all about that. But before we do, let's get into a recap of episode two, Dexter New Blood on Fanatics, the Dexter episodes. I am one of your hosts, David Magadoff, and with me is my most wonderful co host, Claire Kramer. So, episode two, here we go. <laughs> episode two, it was definitely a more, I would say, traditional Dexter episode. Hmm. What made you feel like it was? traditional from well, your eyes as a super fan. <laughs> thank you. I don't think I'm a super fan, but thank you. Um, I haven't started the Dexter blog yet. I'll leave that to, you know, <laughs> our friend over there. But I think that the fact that he had gone the decade without killing and then at the end, obviously, of episode one, he does kill again. And therefore, this episode is really the, you know, the push and pull between the two, Jim Lindsay and Dexter Morgan, I guess you could say. Yeah. You know, Dexter, at the end of episode one, he says, you know, I'm Dexter Morgan, affirming that he is back. He is no longer Jim Lindsay, except the entire episode two is spent trying to repress Dexter in a way, you know, and definitely having Deb trying to re redirect him back to doing, you know, the Jim Lindsay lifestyle of like, go about your daily tasks and do your daily business and don't let Harrison into your world because you kill everyone you love. Exactly. Well, she in episode one is so sweet to him and so thankful, right? And you're doing the right thing. You're on the right path. So episode two is like, you fuck up. You <laughs> terrible person. And that's actually the Deb I think we, we want to see. Jennifer Carpenter plays it so well. I love that moment where it's it's a little like it, it chills my spine a little bit. And I think that's why I liked it, where she takes the bullet and sort of like puts it in his <sighs> mouth, like swallow this thing. Like, this is what you're doing. What like, was she doing? What did that mean, David? <sighs> 
Well, it's it's interesting because it's not a knife and she's not using a screwdriver. She's not like choking him, but she's she's right in his face. You know, she's she's reminding him of his past. I think I think she is the constant reminder in visceral form of you can't do this. You can't do this well. You can't do this right. You've had a, a blood trail wherever you go and you're going to destroy your son, which is curious, right? Will he? I guess that's a great question, right? Will he destroy Harrison by the end of these 10 episodes, or will it continue, or what will it be? You know, I feel like that's sort of what they're building it up to be, right? Like, what's their relationship going to look like at the end of these 10 episodes, for sure? Right. Well, definitely. I mean, you brought up, like, so many points just in those sentences that you just, in in that two two seconds. But one by one, this episode, for me, is definitely about the relationship between Dexter and Harrison, you know? And in a way... It's not about me flying that drone? It is. that, And you did a great <laughs> job, even though you wrecked that drone. <laughs> That's it's a lot CGI, of money, David, everybody. for production. I didn't hurt. No drones were hurt in the uh, making of episode two. It was okay. CGI. <laughs> but, you know, it's like the whole first, you know, series of Dexter was about him pushing away relationships, you know? Pushing away, saying, I live truth adjacent. Even when we saw him with Rita, like there was always like a barrier up with him and the young Harrison. He was always just closed off. And when he became Jim Lindsay and when he stopped killing and moved on with his life, faked his death and sent Harrison and Hannah to Argentina and all that other extensive planning he went through, you know, to reinvent himself it's been about the truth and like been about him being like really earnest and really hopeful and really sort of truthful. And, you know, it's almost like that manifestation of purity that he's created for himself was destroyed when the white buck was shot, you know, when he was cupping its little muzzle nose thing and, and then it was killed out from under him. And that's like, I feel was the turning point. But anyway, the truth between father and son, son and father, I thought it was very interesting at the end when we when it was revealed that Harrison had read the letter that Dexter wrote to Hannah, basically yeah. saying, and you you said it really well. What did he say in there about Harrison? If he shows and he's like what is uh if he, Harrison shows any dark tendencies, you know, let me know. And it, He's like, dark tendencies. And that's a moment where you're looking at old Jim Lindsay going like, what's how is he going to respond with that? And it's it's a really nice response that he gives without completely telling him that he's a serial killer, which is like, yeah, I just went through some things and I didn't want you to have dark stuff. But it is interesting. And now it also brings up the idea, does Harrison have dark tendencies? Will well, he have dark tendencies? We I won't mean, see it really in episode two. And maybe we won't see it. But it's an interesting idea of... You know, does the apple fall far from the tree? Do we get to explore that in these 10 episodes or is that actually not the case? Right. I mean, and well, actually, Dexter says at one point, apple doesn't fall far from the tree (laughs) when he, you know, about Harrison. But the thing is, Harrison has projected and read this letter as though he's the reason Dexter left. He's the reason he was abandoned. He was unmanageable. He was uncontrollable. And in fact, it's obviously the opposite, you know, that Dexter was the one who had to, you know, figure out how to control his dark passenger. But the fact that Harrison throughout this episode is cognizant of that, it makes you have, uh, see scenes like, for example, when Julia and the whole, and you show up 
and you guys are like, hey, we need your we need your area because you're close to the reservation. You're close to the land. We need to search. And then Harrison comes out and he's like, what's going on? In his mind, it could be anything, you know, because he doesn't know wh- where the injustice lies with, you know, and why his father truly left yet. Yeah. I don't know. Will he ever know, David? I don't know. You probably can't tell me, but will will Harrison ever know? I could certainly tell you, but I I don't think I should. (laughs) (laughs) I actually don't want you to, but I kind of (laughs) do. It's true. By the way, everyone listening, I'm not telling Claire these things. I'm not saying stuff to her off to the side and she's putting on a good face for the podcast. I'm I'm really holding it all in and she's she's watching like a good fan does. Uh, He's kind of rusty, though, uh, Mr. Michael C. Hall in this, right? He's got blood on the snow everywhere. He's (laughs) does it bother you that he's sort of out of shape on this or do you wish that he's a little bit more on top of it? I don't wish He is perfect in every way, as he always has been as a serial killer. And it doesn't bother me at all that he, but he is rusty. I mean, geez, he comes out and there's blood everywhere. That never would have happened back in Miami, you know, and he's shoveling the snow up and all of a sudden the people drive up and he definitely is out of practice, but you're going to be inevitably, whether it's, you know, committing a murder or like, you know, doing a yoga practice after 10 years, you can't hop back in the saddle and have everything go flawlessly. So there there are going to be some moments like leaving a blood trail everywhere. <laughs> it's <laughs> nice to see some cracks in the in the surface because it shows he's he's a person, you know? He's he's feels like a superhero of sorts, but he is uh he's but a man and 10 years does 10 years ice fishing in the middle of nowhere. By the way, snow Real snow everywhere, guys. It was freezing. Like we would Ugh. be, we would be. It's and it's not just snow. Okay, there is a lake that is a giant frozen over lake right next to his cabin. It's a place called Camp Collier, Massachusetts. Feel free to Google it. We all sort of would joke with each other. Camp Collier, like that's where we all died a little bit at a place called Camp Collier. <laughs> and uh, there's a huge lake that has frozen over and wind would come on the frozen lake and blow towards us. So not only is it already 20, 30 degrees, sometimes it hit even nine degrees, no joke. But we would just get slammed in our faces. I have heat warmers in my shoes. It is really, it's watching it again. I have a little bit of a PTSD, but it's both like the greatest of times and the scary scariest but those are times. bonding experiences they are you they know are. i mean you guys will always have you'll always have iron lake <laughs> <laughs> um why is the town called iron lake this is something else i was thinking about the, there has to be i know there's going to be something a reward for me somewhere along the way with that title well i, I will tell you this so claire there really is a place called iron lake in new york there's no town of iron lake but you can go in Google, upstate New York, there is Iron Lake. But you think, you're saying, you have a theory that there actually, there was a, a reason to call it Iron Lake. You don't think it's just yes. geographical. I, I have a lot of theories. There's mm. two more important things to talk about before we move on to the meat of our episode, if you will, of this Fanatics episode. One is we finally know what happened to Hannah because that yes. was a sort of kind of like, is Hannah going to be back? What, it, you know, we didn't, really see her in episode one. Now it's revealed she's dead. She died of cancer. I think, you know, the lovely actress who played her actually came out and said, yes, I am dead, you know. So (laughs) (laughs) 
that's been affirmed. And unless she debs on us, you know, comes, appears. It's true. Um, you never know. You, you never know. know. Uh, so that was a good, like, check that off the list. We can move on from Hannah. And the other thing that's so important to talk about in this episode is what's going on with the girl who was hitchhiking, who hitchhiker. is now, like, captive, you know, been, been inebriated, self inflicted inebriation but given the champagne and hopes she would do that and now at the end of the episode it's revealed she's like locked in this room this yeah. hotel room type place so what's what's happening there well we see claire and i'm curious your thoughts because i know all but uh <laughs> but the the eye that we see mm-hmm. we see an eye just a little bit a little half inch above a little half inch below we don't we see just enough to know there's an eye. Um, and so the question is, who is the captor? You know, who is the person mm-hmm. who is keeping her there? And do you have any theories, Claire? Funny you ask, David. I do. <laughs> <laughs> and again, we have not talked about this before. But I have a couple theories. First of all... Lay it on me. I could not help but notice the... In the end, when you see Dexter and Harrison like having their conversation and it's revealed that Harrison read the letter and they're talking and da, 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 and it pans over and you see that you see the interior of Dexter's cabin. Oh, my gosh. I hope someone else also realized the paneling there is the exact same paneling that is inside the hitchhiker's room that she's now kidnapped in. So do I think Dexter Morgan is capturing women for observation no i don't but there is something that it would be totally anti-dexter to do that she's innocent is it, he's he become the anti-anti-hero all of a sudden no i don't <laughs> think he is but there was something familiar about that paneling which leads me to believe that mm. even though we only saw like an inch of the the perpetrator's eyes and like the eyelashes and eyebrow i do believe the audience has met whomever is capturing this girl and holding her captive. I think we've met that person on screen already. So it's somebody that we have met. It's someone, do you have, is there anyone else that comes to mind for you? Is it, uh, could the, it be me? It could, I, it could be you. I actually did think it could be the Teddy <laughs> character. It, could, it would be an interesting maybe. twist of, you know, you've only been on the force two weeks and a half. But I've been killing forever. <laughs> but maybe you're following, you know, it's funny. Maybe. Harrison, Harrison maybe. asked Dexter, why aren't you a cop anymore? You know, he flat out asks him. He's like, surely yeah. you could do a better job than these guys. And he was talking about you, David. I'm sorry, but it yeah. was, <laughs> it's true. it was true. Um, so I, it could be that, reverse sort of like situation this new Dexter season. I don't think it's you, but I do think we have met the person. The only other person came to mind was the oil billionaire guy where the deputy has to go borrow the helicopter from. Yes. Yes. He, he has money. He He has property and he has property. He uh, doesn't seem like, the greatest guy in the world seems very selfish. He also uh, knows everyone. Does that make him an evil killer who traps young women, or does that just make him an eccentric billionaire? These I don't are know if it we'll makes him. Out. I don't know if he comes across so much as selfish as smug, mm. because all knowing and smug. You know, he brought the hot chocolate out to the protesters. He did. He, I he, love he hot tried chocolate. to say, like, "Hey, listen, not everything is you know binary. You know, it's not all black and white." However, he is smug. 
He is. And you know what? A little bit of smug can go a long way. Um, I moved long <laughs> enough away to capture uh, women in a room and trap them forever. Uh, yes. This, we'll find out. We will uh, find out. I got to give a shout out to, though, to the teens on the show who are a little older than teens in real life. Although Johnny Sequoia, who plays Audrey, we get to kind of know her a little more you know, with Harrison. Uh, she's She just turned 19 the other day, so she really is a teenager. Um, and she's awesome. And Zach is played by Oscar Wahlberg of the Wahlberg family clan. Love and that. he is such a sweet dude. I loved meeting him. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just fun to see Harrison with people of his own age too. I just thought it was such authentic... We just kind of hung out with these kids. I thought they did such a great job. And Marcos Siega, the director, did such a great job directing them. It just felt very real and very natural and very 2021. Yes, I thought so, too. One more moment you just made me think of is when... The, when Harrison is first like introduced to the deputy and they're talking and you know then Dexter comes in and it's like oh when did Rita die oh just recently uh, you know cut and Her- and then she leaves and Dexter says you know to Harrison thank you for covering for me and he says I wasn't covering for you I don't want cops up my ass you yeah know? and that also was like okay Harrison that knowing that he's been through rehab he's not it, you know he is definitely like on the path of like past ominous behavior as well. Mm-hmm. So the apple, the tree, we're going to figure out more in the next eight episodes. He's got street smarts. Yes. Harrison's got some got some skills and it's fun. It's fun to see. Jack plays him, I think. He's great. great. He's great. He's grounded. You guys are honest. all great. It's a great cast. Great. I, I'm just so happy for you. What a great show to be a part of. It's a it's a dream. It's a dream come true. Uh, and speaking of dream come trues, we have on today... Miss Julia Jones, Chief Bishop, my boss, she is here, uh, and so excited are we to have had her. We get to talk about her love of dark chocolate, uh, which, of course, is a natural continuation of the hot chocolate from episode one. It all comes together. Very meta is our podcast. So please uh, unwrap your chocolate bars wherever you are, uh, sink your teeth in to this next episode, and enjoy. Is there ever a bad time to eat dark chocolate? Mm. I'm going to go with no. <laughs> <laughs> like even before bed? I thought of that before I said no. And I, I just felt like it didn't qualify. That's like the best time to eat it, I think. Because it's not sweet. I mean, no. The issue is, is the caffeine, I guess, right? Is that where you're going, David? Yeah. 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 I just don't. I think that. The chocolate, but my personally love for chocolate, dark chocolate overrides the potential for a light sleep. That said, I do not tend to eat copious amounts of dark chocolate right before bed. But a little nibble. Probably, yep. A little square. It's, it's likely. So, okay, Julia, for those who don't know or maybe uh, don't understand, how how do you define dark chocolate? I think for me, it's 60% cacao or cocoa or whatever, uh, or higher is dark to me. Maybe, maybe 55 on a desperate day. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's the percentage of, what is it? Cacao? I I should know that. This is my, but I think that's what it's called. 
the percentage of chocolate in your chocolate. It took a while for me to understand it. Can you can you help people just understand the basic idea of what the whole percentage of cacao means? Because I think a lot of people still stare at it in the store and they say 55%, 75%, 95%. What does that mean? Okay, you said that I don't have to be an expert. I don't know. <laughs> I, I just know that it correlates with a flavor of chocolate as opposed to milk or something else. And it's and it tends to also be darker, like in color. And the higher the higher the percentage, I don't know if you want to ever use the word bitter, but sometimes like if if it gets into like the ninety, yeah, I, yeah, I don't even know how bitter how bittersweet chocolate fits into it. Yeah, ninety stops being you know in my my sweet spot zone. I think it's just sugar. I think like if it's a hundred percent cacao, this literally means no, no sugar, no and sugar. if it's 55%. But what about cow. the other stuff they put in there, like the milk? Well, in my research for today, and I'm not talking about my research of eating dark chocolate, which I have <laughs> been doing for many years, but my actual Googling okay. of it, you know, there are no FDA standards for dark chocolate. There isn't like a reg, it's not regulated, unlike milk chocolate, which is. So there's actually even a petition on change.org, which I love that site because you can pretty much find a petition for anything, petitioning the FDA to regulate what actually constitutes dark chocolate because people, the petition is at least saying consumers are being misled by labeling. Basically, a, a manufacturer can say, hey, this is dark chocolate and there it doesn't have to meet any set of standards. They can just call it that you know, arbitrarily. So you're saying it could be like 14% cacao or whatever, or and, and they'd call it dark chocolate and that would fly? It would fly. Some poor person. I mean, I would have a problem. <laughs> a with lot that. of Some sugar. Would eat. So this leads me to my <laughs> <Yeah>. next question, <laughs> Julia. A, when was the first time you experienced true, delicious dark chocolate? And B, where do you tend to purchase your dark chocolate so that you don't get, you don't fall into this uh, trap of buying unreal. Yeah, right. I have trusted, yeah, I have <laughs> trusted vendors. <laughs> I imagine so. <laughs> um, I mean, they're not, especially like, you know, everybody, they're the same vendors. But I think that I thought about this a little bit before I came on this podcast. I think that everything changed for me in college. I went to Moscow and I found this like Russian chocolate that had air bubbles in it. And when you chewed it, it was like the consistency was just like something completely, you know, other otherworldly. It was dark chocolate. And I came back with about 20 bars. It was like spring break of my junior, sophomore, junior year of college. And then when I went through all of those, I went on this like obsessive kind of hunt in the uh, like Russian stores in the parts of New York to find the same chocolate. And I, I was able to do that. I think, honestly, I wound up in Coney Island. And then I did the same thing when I got to LA. So that kind of got me into, I, I can be a little focused, which is a nice way of putting obsessive, saying obsessive. <laughs> but it became a little like that, a thing, a thing of mine that I like really kind of loved. What's the, what's the brand? The 20 bars. That's a lot. I don't know. I don't, I, I, it was a lot. It was a good percentage of my suitcase. I mean, I understood. I, that, I know what that's like. I've, I've done that. <laughs> it was blue. It was like royal blue. And I think the first letter was like, like, I can see it in my head. Like, <laughs> David. I love it. That's, the, that's why deal. we I have you on. I could ask my college roommate. She might know. She was, she was very, she kept track of things that I didn't. How often are you eating it today? Like, 
Is it a daily thing? Is it a weekly thing? Has there been a week that's never gone by in your last 10 years that you haven't had a, a little nibble? Oh, wow. That's a good question. 10 years is a long time. I mean, I'm going to say there has not been a week that's gone by in the last 10 years. Wow. So if I was traveling, like if I was in Africa, probably not going to find it there. Maybe, maybe. Uh, insert like the bush or I don't know. I mean, yeah. So there have probably been, there have probably been some times it has not been accessible to me for sure. But if it is accessible to me, it is a daily situation. Would you bring it with you to Africa? Don't think so. No. Okay. No. So it's not, not, it's not that, not that far gone. (laughs) I'm all about like being present and enjoy, you know, like I want to, I need to try new things. But it is funny when you, when you have like your little hoarding of your chocolate bars. <laughs> I don't know if you freeze yours. I tend to freeze when I bring stuff. Yeah, it's in the freezer. Oh yeah. yeah. Then I then I take one out and it's like almost that episode of Seinfeld where she has the today sponges and she's like, um, are you interviewing the guys because, you know, she only has like five. Right. <laughs> are you sponge worthy? That's how I feel about my like stash of goodies from out of the country. That, so yeah. is it the same? how do you determine like if you're going to share with someone, if this is the right person to well, it's a whole introduce? Thing. It's a whole thing. I mean, so, so if I do not have dark chocolate in my freezer, I am, I'm, I'm not super comfortable. Like I feel better. <laughs> You know, in general, I, it kind of needs to be there. It's there's a few items, you know, that are like that for me, and dark chocolate's one of them. If I'm gonna have, I typically have enough stored in in my freezer to share with whomever may may appear. If I know I'm gonna have people, then I'll like make sure that I have extra because I don't like to be left without it. You know, the next day. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm generous with it. I'm not like a Scrooge about it. I want to share it. It makes me happy to share it. I do sometimes, I will bring it places and I'll try, you know, different kind of nice things, nice ones that I haven't tried. And I'll take a whole bunch of those if I'm going to a dinner or something. How much is in that freezer right now? So I think there's probably four like big bars. And then also oh. there happens to be... Um, the like little bittersweet things that you make cookies, like, you know, chocolate chips, mm-hmm. because I did that recently. What's your philosophy on putting salt on dark chocolate? Oh. I'm all about it. Mm. All about, in too. fact, the one I'm, <laughs> the one that's at the top is, is dark chocolate with salt. Mm. And have you ever made your own dark chocolate? No, no, no. That probably wouldn't. No interest? Wouldn't be great. Oh, have you ever been to like a dark chocolate factory, like a chocolate factory? No. So the other thing, and we talked about this, David, is like I'm kind of into like, you know, the not super – like ones that are not super sweet or like somehow kind of a little healthy-ish. There's this brand that's like Hue that is everywhere. Uh, What is it called? Um, Honey Mamas I'm a big fan of. And then like the one I eat the most is probably Lily's, which is like sweetened with stevia. So Mm. I feel a little less bad. That's in Trader Joe's. I've always yeah. wanted to try oh, yeah. it. Yeah, it's in Whole Foods. It's uh, it's it. I don't know at stores in LA, but yeah, it's they're not they're not hard to come by. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com/slash/metaverseimpact. 
If you don't know when Crystal Pepsi was discontinued, what was in Al Capone's vault, or which famous meteorologist is Lenny Kravitz's second cousin, then you haven't spent enough time on Wikipedia. But that's okay. I am here for you. I'm Darcy Carden, and I'm inviting you to listen to my new podcast, WikiHole, from Smartless Media. Discover the craziest rabbit holes on Wikipedia with me and my funny friends as we bring the cyber frontier directly to your tympanic membrane. And if you listen to my podcast, you've learned that that's the sciencey term for eardrum. We embark on a hyperlink roller coaster as we start out on a Wikipedia page and go from link to link to link to link, careening through trivia, oddities, and unexpected connections until we collectively shout, How the hell did we get here? Follow WikiHole on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to WikiHole ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Is is there a ritual when you take a chocolate bar out of the freezer and you have decided that this is its moment in time? No, no, it's it's like it's is, very like. Is there a glass of wine? Do you have to sit on the couch? No, no, it's very casual. It's very. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Pajamas, no pajamas, whatever. I mean, you whatever, do. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a mood that is there a moment where you're like you're feeling stressed, so you need dark chocolate, or is okay, it just like so I don't know? I just finished my lunch. I okay. I did have a boyfriend once who was convinced that I was self medicating, and I don't. You know, I'm not. Gonna, I didn't argue with that, but he felt like it was very important that I had access to it <laughs> on a regular basis. <laughs> so I feel like if anything, it might just be more of like a steady feed. You know, I mean, isn't life a little bit about self-medicating? Let's be honest. Like if we all dealt with all our problems head on all the time, like we'd be constantly, you know, analyzing and. I mean, it beats a lot of other (laughs) self-medication things. Right. For sure. I mean, is that a wrong thing? I don't think it's a wrong thing. Oh, no, I I don't mean to suggest that at all. I'm I'm have no shame. Look, I'm doing a talking about it for 40 minutes. (laughs) I probably eat chocolate every day. Oh, what kind do you like? Be careful. I probably have some version of chocolate. So I have like this, I, I've gotten into this protein bar that I eat in the morning, but so but there's still chocolate oh, yeah. in it. And I You're, probably- you, are, you have like a sweet tooth. Like you like ice cream and you like, you know, protein, but whatever. You're less discriminating than I am when it comes to sweets, I feel. Yes. And chocolate been very sure, In our time together that I've very known pointed. you, I've, you've been- very thoughtful about what the sweet thing is yeah, that you eat. I am particular eat. about that. Yeah. Yes, but <laughs> I have I I've been to the Theo. I think it's Theo, oh yeah, it might be pronounced yeah, yeah. Theo Chocolate Factory know, in Fremont outside uh-huh. of Seattle. And is it exciting for you? It was really exciting. Have you ever been inside just even like a place where you can try lots of chocolates because they had them all samples everywhere? Well, and I got to try with raspberries and almonds and yeah, and but darker. so that's the thing. It's like okay, so I, I you were a part of Alano's rap gift for me, right? I feel that you were right, and that was such an interesting. That was like a very different chocolate experience for me. So uh, one of our castmates who's also done this podcast, I've been told, um, <laughs> he. When, like, he curated this, like, box of extremely artisanal, is that a word that I would say to describe what that was? Artisanal. Artisanal, thank you. Chocolates, because he knew about my thing, my issue. And that's, like, what you're talking about, David. Like, that was, I mean, you just appreciate each one in this completely different way. I'm really pretty transactional about my chocolate 
it's not like an art form situation. I think it's more of a self-medication. Julia, would you believe, would you believe though, Alano and I were chatting and he in a dressing room and he was like, what do I, what should I get for Julia for a wrap gift? And I was like, you know, she really loves dark chocolate. And he was like, yes, that's great. So I'm so glad. Wait, so you're saying, you're asking me if I would believe that it was your idea? I'm not asking if you would believe it. I'm telling you this is what happened. (laughs) It was... It was a mutually conceived idea. Maybe I'm the one no, who said he, dark he chocolate fully gave you he credit. He fully gave you credit, I feel. That's how I kind of knew that you were part of, you know, a part of it. Um, but he was also really excited. It was very, very sweet. It was so touching because he described what you were just sort of describing, a version of this experience of like going to the chocolate place. And he was like, it's the best chocolate in all of the land or whatever. And picking out, you know, he like went through his thought process when he was deciding which little like, I mean, they were really intricate. And I had a very different relationship with that box of chocolate. And it was, he did, he was, it was only dark, different versions of dark. So he adhered to that. Um, but outside of that, there were all of these variations and, and things. And they were in like animal shapes and they had, you know, some things inside of them. And But it was all super, super thoughtful. And that was like, that was a very different situation than the situation in my freezer. That was like right. That was like yeah. a gourmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not like sat on collection. the counter, and it right. was. I, I appreciated like that was more ritualistic, mm-hmm. and maybe I, I feel like I would be more inclined to be like, you know, oh, I feel sad. Let's see what gorgeous little chocolate thing Alano bought with love for me to eat and make me feel better. <laughs> Yeah, th- let's go. Let's go to that a minute. So you just said, you know, feeling sad or self medicating. What is the feeling when you put? That's what I'm saying. I don't have. I don't pieces. have a really. Oh, the good ones. You mean the Alano ones? Yes. Oh, any, um, any any dark but, chocolate. No, but that's what I'm saying. It's a very different relationship. So like, I'm not conscious of there being a like a pattern to my. I mean, it's sort of my daily. It's like. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. It'll occur to me and I'll be like, oh, great idea. I'll go have some chocolate. And that's really it. That's like the good idea, Julia. Yeah. That's, that's what I want right now. That's it. Uh-huh. Great. And then I move on. The, our, I love the, it. The Alano's chocolates were like a special occasion. That's kind of what it was. Right. Or the, were there any ingredients in those chocolates or any other, you know, in your experience as a chocolate connoisseur that should not be in dark chocolate? Something, okay, well, sea salt is a yes. What is a no? I am in general not a fan. I don't, this is, I'm not really a fan of like fruit stuff in my salads. And that also applies to my chocolate. I just don't really love that. Mm-hmm. Cause I actually, I don't, I think I don't really like the sugar of it. That's why part of why I like the dark chocolate. Cause it's, it's like more bitter, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the fruit makes it a little too sweet. Yeah. How about nuts, almonds, good with walnuts? Nuts. All good. They're good with all the nuts. Yep. <laughs> Throw the nuts in. <laughs> good okay. Nuts. Good with great coconut. That's a part of it. Let's just have a hypothetical situation here. You have no dark chocolate in your freezer, but there is some mm-hmm. milk chocolate. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> <laughs> she just no, made the, str- the straightest face at a shake of her head. Not even, not even an option. <laughs> you knew that that was coming. No. I actually, uh, I feel very, I have opposite feelings towards milk chocolate than I do to dark chocolate. I feel strongly against milk chocolate and I have to catch myself from judging people who Mm. are milk chocolate fans. Mm -hmm. So like this happened. So uh, 
keep bringing, I mean, thinking of people that we were working with, but I had some people over for dinner early on when we were filming and one, and, and at the end, you know, I bring out all of my, my chocolate spoils and, and one Jack was just like, I don't, I just like, do you have any milk chocolate? And I was like, <laughs> oh, this is a defining moment. It was very, it was like the beginning of the six months. And I happened to, because, you know, like somebody, you know, you get these like gift bags or I had some lying around. So I was happy to give it to him. But then the next time I went shopping, I mean, I had this like whole moment in the chocolate aisle where I was like, do I get some milk chocolate for Jack in my freezer? Do I get a bar? Do I put it in there? And I was like, I know if I do every time I open the freezer, which is multiple times a day, because that's where my dark chocolate is, I'm going to see this thing and it's going to elicit a response. And I did. I got it for Jack and it was a really big deal for me. And then he never came and never ate it again. But when he wrapped, I did bring it in. I gave it back to him. And I actually have a picture of him. I think that was very big of you, Julia. Thank you. Appreciate that. (laughs) I hope you appreciate it. It actually, it was a big deal. It was, I mean, I just had met Jack like twice and I I decided I had more love for him than... You know, well, can you, it's, yeah, it's very good that you were able to supersede <laughs> your own feelings for someone else. It's not easy. It's well, cause I get it. I hate, I hate milk chocolate too, but we are, we're saying, we're not saying why. Can you in a very safe space, Julia, explain <laughs> what it is when you put milk chocolate in your mouth of why this thing should not exist? Safe space. It's yucky. It's just yucky. I mean, it doesn't taste like chocolate to me. Oh, and also, I don't eat dairy, so maybe that's part of it. Maybe if there was, like, coconut milk chocolate, I'd feel differently, but I don't. Nothing, it's not dark chocolate. Like, I, it's not the same. It's not, thing. yeah, I, I hear you. So then let me ask you this. Do you make your s'mores if you eat s'mores with dark chocolate? Yes, then, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. But actually, I mean, maybe this is an exception because you know, I don't, you know, I don't like make s'mores on my own. And typically <laughs> you're not sitting around the house making s'mores. <laughs> not, no, not normally. Um, but, but most people, when they make s'mores, it's like a group situation and somebody has gotten this stuff. It's usually not me because that's not my favorite thing, but I do like them. And so people tend to get like, I feel like it's always like Hershey's 66%, whatever that chocolate or whatever that chocolate is. And I, I will eat the special dark. That would be great, but it's actually often not. I think what it's happens just like the with traditional the Hershey bar. Yeah, yeah, it's the Hershey bars, right? It's not even sixty-six. You're right. It's it's much lower than that. It's probably. Oh, I don't want to think about it. Yeah, but I think out. there's something. Yeah, I think there's something about the like juxtaposition of that chocolate with the sweetness of the graham cracker and the, of the marshmallow that makes that chocolate. It's good for that. It makes that chocolate seem darker mm-hmm. well because so you're I'm already okay i'm going to use this word you're already bastardizing the chocolate with all the s'mores items so to yeah. me i'm with you the milk chocolate feels like wait you're ha- you have this wonderful thing called pure cacao and sugar is a great compliment but milk just feels like you're drowning this really wonderful piece of gold and making it into exactly that yucky just creamy in the worst possible way. It's really is wrong. And these people are wrong. And it was very nice and really nice to Jack. (laughs) But I don't know if I would have done the same. (laughs) Thank you, Dan. 
how about dark chocolate cake or dark chocolate ice cream or a dark yeah. chocolate hot cocoa? Are we okay with right. that? Right. So I don't eat dairy, so I don't really I won't do, don't do ice cream, but I'm I'm all about like uh dark chocolate cake, chocolate. Like if I'm going to if I'm at a restaurant and someone's like, "What do you want for dessert?" I'm always, you know, like whatever chocolate you have. It tends to be kind of dark like the chocolate cake. I feel it's not like that really light stuff. What is the chocolate that everybody always has like uh, when you go to a restaurant and they there's like a chocolate cake, what's that? It's like it's like I don't know. It it's like the chocolate lava cake or something like that. But all the cake, all the like chocolate cake is darker. I I think at the mm-hmm. restaurants. No, I, I don't know. Semi sweet. Yes. Semi sweetish. Yeah. Yeah. And then Probably semi sweet. I like yeah. chocolate frosting that is not dark. That is not like yeah. That's that's a bit of a conflict of. Oh, yeah. you like like a milk chocolate frosting thing. I like chocolate frosting. I just like frosting. <laughs> like a buttercream. Yeah, I like frosting. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here, you're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer lands. There's no crime in Pura. No murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us. In Pura, we promise to keep you safe. They killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pura. The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now, ad-free, on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus. Hey, it's Guy Raz here, the host of How I Built This, a podcast that gives you a front-row seat to how some of the biggest products were built and the innovators, entrepreneurs, and idealists behind them. Every week, I speak to someone new, stories like Justin Wolverton's, a lawyer who just wanted a healthy alternative to ice cream, so he created Halo Top in his Cuisinart, or Todd Graves, who grew his fried chicken restaurant Raising Cane's into one of the most successful fast food chains in the U.S. All of these great conversations can help you learn how to think big, take risks, and navigate crises in life and work from people who've done all of that and more. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus. Have you, have you, ever, <laughs> have you ever made yourself sick from eating too much chocolate, <laughs> too much dark chocolate, too much frosting <sighs> chocolate? I mean... I, I probably have, I'm sure, but not in the last like 20 years. Mm-hmm. You've learned. I mean, I'm pretty like I'm conscious of it. Like I'm pretty deliberate about it. I'm pretty have a hell. I feel comfortable with my relationship with it. Actually, I feel really good about it too. <laughs> okay, yeah. thanks. Has there ever been a, a a conflict with either a, a boyfriend or a family member or someone <laughs> in your life that like maybe? Yes. Yeah. Well, the, so the same boyfriend who was adamant about me having it accessible because he was convinced I was self-medicating with it. So he had a, his trainer was not really happy about that. So there was like this period of time where I had to like hide my chocolate from in the house from him, like 
it couldn't tell him where it was and it was I'd have to move it around in intervals so that he wouldn't find it and eat it also per his trainer where, where did you hide it <laughs> <laughs> okay so he I, for some reason we had oh like I had done some like appearance in Las Vegas and I had a gumball machine I, like a, I had a random gumball machine and I, it was just there. And so that was where it went. So if you imagine, it's like a, you know, like a, like a foot and a half long proper gumball machine and it, you could take the gumball part. Anyway, so that's where I would put the dark chocolate in the gumball machine and the gumball machine would move around. Uh, so it would be like behind the couch, like it could go anywhere. Cause that was a, you know, it was a sanitary inside sort of thing. I love the irony of it being <laughs> in a place with other sweets and candy and yet no no, no. completely hidden All, no other candy no oh, just okay. just just the machine to be clear no other candy it wasn't being yeah polluted by a no, gumball no <laughs> no <laughs> that was just the vehicle <laughs> I feel like we're talking about like a drug mules <laughs> What's the quantity you currently eat? Like two squares and you're done? Like At, like in tomorrow? one serving, you mean? Yeah, like when you go to the freezer and you do your norm. Well, so you know what? The other thing is, to be honest, I think this became like a, a kind of a habitual thing for me at some point, probably in my early 20s, shortly after the Russia trip, because I found that chocolate's really filling. Mm. So it's really efficient. And I, I if you know, I, I don't. Now with the stuff that doesn't have a ton of chalk with a ton of sugar, like the stevia stuff, I don't even feel like I'm, I'm not on like a sugar because that was a problem. Oh yeah. It, there's been an evolution because I, for a while I wasn't discriminating with the sugar stuff. So then I had to cor- self-correct because I was going on these crazy sugar highs. So, so less the caffeine was more the sugar. And now, now the stevia the, has the equaled it out. Yeah. So now I, I feel comfortable with that, but I, I think I'll probably would do like two bars and then like do some move on. And then if it occurs to me again, I'd go back and have another one or two. And then I'm usually good for several hours. (laughs) Are you still getting your, your dark chocolate from the Russian groceries? No, I haven't. I mean, I now I should go back. I forgot about, you know, this reminded me. So I should go back. I know where I, I used to have a place. I don't know if it's We have there. to find it. We really oh, yeah. do. Okay. If anything, like I want this. Uh, yeah, I want there I want there to be a great follow-up or something on social media with this podcast. You want that royal blue bar yeah. with the little That'd be so great. air pockets. Because I'm sure it also, doesn't it probably also connect, as we wrap up, like connect with a time? Like, was that Moscow trip actually like a really beautiful trip? So it's maybe connected emotionally i know that sometimes some food is connected emotionally for me so it brings me back to a, a happier place well the moscow wasn't like super happy um <laughs> moscow <laughs> or maybe moscow. you needed the chocolate to make it a I better think, experience i mean you know I, like if i'm thinking about it you know the food in in russia is it's very heavy you know i don't really remember many meals there i was you know like in college so it wasn't like but uh i actually had a wonderful time in russia and this is a side note but it's the best part about going there was I went and visited a friend of mine who was studying at the ART. They, the Mm. ART had, um, their graduate program had a, like a a relationship with the Moscow art theater. And so they went and spent like a whole semester over there. So I, on my spring break, just went over and stayed with, with her. And, but she was constantly in rehearsals. This is a total side thing, but it's so cool in 
in in Russia, at least at the time, you know, art and culture is something that's like it's supposed to be accessible for everybody. So it's so cheap and everybody goes. It's not a classist thing at all. It's like part of being, you know, part of the, the, the if you are, you, this is everybody goes. And so um, I just remember the best part about that trip was every night for probably 10 American dollars, I saw like the most extraordinary theater, the most extraordinary ballet, the most extraordinary opera. And it was packed with people who appreciated it so much these people that like would walk down the street and you would like completely emotionless. And then you go to the theater and like at the end, they're all sobbing and hysterically clapping. And I mean, it, that was wonderful. And yeah, so that plus my dark chocolate discovery kind of made it like, yeah. An amazing trip. An amazing <laughs> experience. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, from everyone that I've spoken to who's actually come from Russia or lived in Russia, like life is hard there. So they yeah. they do appreciate when there is a joyous moment or thing, you know, mm. like the theater and like good chocolate. Right. And we yeah, all maybe. know about their vodka. So, you know. Yeah. So it's totally true. Yeah. yeah. The only thing I remember eating there other than chocolate was like these like baked potato things with stuff full of all sorts of stuff. I don't remember what was in there, but it was not my normal diet. Cabbage. 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 Oh yeah, there was that too. <laughs> but it was like heavy. It was like potatoes and meat and like gravy. I don't I don't know. It, I don't I don't want to get it wrong. But yeah. Yeah, I, I probably was You needed the dark chocolate. Kind of gravitated towards the yeah all right we end every episode with a love letter and david's gonna get to that in one second but i just have one quick question it occurred to me halloween trick-or-treating do you give out candy do you give out dark chocolate <laughs> i don't think i would i don't think i would start children on dark chocolate let them <laughs> let them learn on their own <laughs> yeah too much too soon yeah yeah <laughs> let them enjoy you have to <laughs> All right, Julia, if you could speak a love letter to dark chocolate, this has been a lovely conversation. And as a dark chocolate lover myself, this makes me very happy. So if you oh, could say, dear dark chocolate, and end, of course, please with love, Julia. Dear dark chocolate, thank you for everything. Love, Julia. Boom. Short, Boom. sweet, it's delicious. <laughs> Bite size. <laughs> I'm actually also a fan of dark chocolate. Uh, I do. I don't. It, you know, I really found myself during this episode wanting to just voice my opinion about everything, which <laughs> which isn't, I guess, that abnormal for me. But I do love dark chocolate, and I don't like white chocolate. I don't like it. We didn't even get into white chocolate, which really is a weird. Is thing it even chocolate? Yeah, isn't the know, definition I, of chocolate like it's also a color, right? Yeah, cocoa butter, I believe, is in white chocolate, which maybe gives it the feeling it could be allowed inside the chocolate echelon. But I don't know. I think it's you know, just because you can melt it. That's why. That's it. Somehow got in on like a melting more, you know, like grandfather clause into the chocolate family or something. You know what I mean? Well, if you and I ever get to be the gatekeepers. Of all things chocolate, it sounds like you and I will not allow white chocolate to be a part of it. And I think you and I are okay with that. And I'm sorry for those people out there who like white chocolate. But, you know, let's just call it They're white wrong. candy. <laughs> yeah, let's just call it, you know, creamy candy. Uh, what a great conversation, though. Isn't it just fun to 
speak to someone who just completely agrees with you. We had our own little dark chocolate bubble, and it was so great to just hear Julia just enjoy dark chocolate in the way that I do and you do, and hopefully a lot of the rest of you do. And I do love that it began with a foreign trip with 20 bars. That is a lot of chocolate. Because I have my... Did you ever get into the chocolate in the UK, Claire? I love Yes, but it's a little sweet for me. But I don't feel like we really addressed my point, David, of like chocolate is actually a color as well. It's used as as a a color. So white chocolate is an oxymoron. Mm. Okay, now I'm done with that. I can move on. But I felt there was one more thing to say. Along those lines, British girl, you British what, candy. Well, I, what other opinions did you have on um in the episode? You said you had a bevy of opinions. This is the time. Leave us with Claire's take on it. Well, I am a collector of like green tea Kit Kats. You know, when you oh. go over to Asia or some parts of Europe, you can find the Japanese Kit Kat flavors, and that's what I like to collect. And it's not so much for me about the chocolate. Then it's about the the curating of the taste buds for the different flavors that the Kit Kats are offered in, you know. And you'll never get that. It's this fun feeling of that is so so far away. I know we're in a much more homogenized world where everything is more available to us on a given moment, but there really is something special about traveling somewhere. Yes. And I do love that that was a part of her origin story, her chocolate origin story. I know, I love that too. I mean, when I used to go to the UK, I used to bring back the the celebration boxes of, you know, celebration mini candy bars and stuff like that. And yes, now I'm a little bit older. I don't do that as much. <laughs> but I, I think that overall, I agree with Julia in her assessment of what makes dark chocolate delicious and good. And I agree with the salt factor. And I actually also agree that fruit is not my favorite thing in chocolate. I don't like those cherry bomb things that you bite into. It's like, why, why you, I like the shell, but not the inside. That's always a disappointment in the box of like different, you know, samples of chocolate like the wit- the Whittier yeah. sampler whatever that's the one that's always left that like someone bites into it they're like uh and put it back keep it clean folks keep it clean and guys thanks so much for enjoying this wonderful delicious dark chocolate podcast with us today we'll see you next time with a little bit more dexter going on and a lot more of fanatics <laughs> All right, before we let you guys go, let's talk about next week on Fanatics, the Dexter episodes. We have on Miss Jamie Chung. Oh, such an amazing human being. I'm so glad I met her and she's in my life now in some regard. Believe, Once Upon a Time, Gotham, Lovecraft Country, so much more. And she plays Molly Park, the podcaster on Dexter New Blood. Am I spoiling anything? No, this is stuff you can read. But it's very exciting that we have her on our podcast for... Her love of fast food. So let's take it nice and easy and slow as we see you for Jamie Chung Fast Food next week. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your Fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's we are F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Kelsey Goldberg. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. 
Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. Get out of the lights and into the dark. Specifically, we're talking about dark chocolate. It's a metaphor. This conversation was all kinds of wow as we talked about the great cow-cow. Milk chocolate is terrible.